All right, everybody. Good afternoon. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. And we are on to the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, Wiz, man, things have changed for the worse in Philadelphia after that Super Bowl win uh, back in 2017. Uh, it's been a one-way street down for the Philadelphia Eagles organization. And uh, a lot of changes in place for the coming season, Wiz. Yeah, there really are. And, uh, you know, a lot of people kind of have them penciled in to be last in, in, in that division. Uh, you know, I can understand why. And uh, I guess it all starts off with their quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who we talked about players with wide range of outcomes. And uh, in my opinion, this is the number one player with the widest range of outcomes. If they run the right system for him, if they let him run the ball, if they want him to run the ball, if they have designed runs for him, I could certainly be see him being uh, in the top 12, a quarterback one, maybe even inside the top 10, if they really let him do what he does best. If they kind of take that away from him and try and make him just a pocket passer, I could see him not only not being a quarterback one, I could see him being nothing more than a, a quarterback that you would draft and stream a few times during the year. So um, there's a lot of risk reward when it comes to Jalen Hurts. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with him being ranked so high. I could see it, but I just think there has to be a lot of things that go right for him to finish inside that top 12. How do you see it this year for Jalen Hurts? Yeah, so look, we talked about it right at the top. So changes all over the place. You got Nick Sirianni, who's going to be a new head coach. He worked with Frank Reich, and ironically, he'll be moving to, to the Philadelphia Eagles. They're going to have new offensive coordinators. I think they have actually two offensive coordinators here. Uh, uh, so, th- so there's complete change of football. Now, if we look at what Jalen Hurts did in a very small sample size last year, in those four-and-a-half-ish starts, because you remember he got pulled out of that game 17 last year, which was a lot of controversy around that. And, and look, there is a lot of dysfunction. Uh, stories came out about Doug Peterson and now and how ownership handled things and 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 and, uh, and the GM. It's a little bit of a messy uh, messy situation here. But nonetheless, 260 yards rushing in those games. Uh, he had three three touchdowns, so a very effective guy uh, with his wheels. He had six touchdown passes, and he had two monster games against two bad defenses, but two monster games against Dallas and Arizona. So I, you, you made great points in, in that uh, wide margin of uh, outcome uh, podcast that we did about Jalen Hurts. And I'm right with you there. I, I think, would I be shocked at the end of the season if we're talking about a top five to eight quarterback from a fantasy perspective? I probably would, would not be shocked uh, because he does have that kind of capability, but it really has to do with the way the team plays. And I think more significantly, and we know this was a detriment to the entire Eagle team, the offensive line for the Eagles last year was a absolute abomination because of injuries and and there's nothing you can do about it where every single guy goes down now at the moment everybody seems to be healthy and back but last year what happened at the offensive line really destroyed any kind of success that the Eagles were going to have uh, in, in football last year. And hopefully Hertz can actually improve upon his completion percentage because it's the one flaw that I think he has. He's not going to be the most efficient guy. I think he completed 57 or 58% of his passes. You're going to need to see that be a little bit better in today's NFL. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think there is a lot of upside and if they do let him run and, you know, they, they have those design runs for him uh, and, and, and that offense is, 
is kind of you know designed for what he does best. Um, you know, I think it. You know, I could see him finishing inside the top 12 at the position, but I think it's probably going to be somebody else who drafts that player to find that out. Uh, I don't know about you. Um, as far as running back goes, Miles Sanders followed Saquon Barkley uh, in Penn State, and maybe uh, people thought he would be the next Saquon Barkley. I think he's steady. I have him as a running back, too, somewhere kind of like in that 15 to 20 range at the position. Uh, I think he's solid. I'm not sure the offense is good enough um, for him to be a running back one um, how do you view it as far as Miles Sanders goes? Yeah, a tough player to a tough player to assess given what they were dealing with last year. So so funny that Miles Sanders, despite the offensive line being the mess that it was last year, he actually averaged more yards per carry than he did the previous season. He averaged five point three yards per carry. So and actually one of the one of the guys that actually had some of the more longer runs in the NFL last year. So I was kind of surprised to see that. A, a very, very steep drop in in catches uh, where as a rookie he caught over 50 balls. Last year, very very different story, just 28 catches. So I'll be watching that closely. Um, but I think what I think would happen, because it was, I think, last year going into the season, expectations were very high for Miles Sanders. I think that's taken a step back. And I think from a value perspective, uh, to me, Miles Sanders uh, has some intrigue to him because I think he will fall this year as a result of last year's production. Yeah. Um, and and when you look at the, you know, the backup, the handcuff, if you will, you know, Boston Scott's a player that – you like and you know he he had his moments especially at the end of the year he had some some big games and uh won, won some people their fantasy football games but i think kenneth gainwell is an interesting player um his story is interesting uh, he opted out of the 2020 season for memphis uh several i think three or four of his family members passed away from coronavirus he opted out for the last year in Memphis. The Eagles took him. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to ignore any running back that comes out of Memphis. I mean, take a look at these guys over the last few years. Daryl Henderson, Pollard from the Cowboys, and Gibson from the Washington football team. I'm not ignoring these running backs. And all due respect to Boston Scott, um, you know, Kenneth Gainwell caught 50 passes in 2019 for Memphis. Uh, I think he's an interesting guy. I think he could be used as a third-down guy, and uh, his usage could increase as the season goes along. So uh, what do you think about the backup situation there, uh, you know, Scott and Gainwell? Yeah, so they also have a couple other bodies here, guys like Jordan Howard, who I think has seen better days uh, in the NFL. Uh, on Johnson, they actually brought along here, but I don't expect any of those guys to kind of threaten the situation that we talked about uh, so far. I, I do think Boston Scott did show last year when – 
when Sanders was out, that you could not really lean on him as, you know, you could only give him the balls, you know, eight to ten times a game. Beyond that, I think it's a little difficult. He's got some limitations physically, uh, but I think he's an effective player if used properly. I think Gainwell has a lot of intrigue. You mentioned Daryl Henderson. Uh, you know, by the way, when Memphis, Memphis had Antonio Gibson and Gainwell on the same team, Antonio Gibson played wide receiver on the, that team, and Gainwell was a starting running back. So that's got my attention for sure. Uh, you take a look at the highlight reel and, and, and see what Gamewell did in college. And given the history of what we've seen from Memphis the last few years at running back, I, I think you have to keep an eye on Kenneth Gamewell because I would say that would be the player if something were to happen materially to Miles Sanders that it would have the most uh, promise in this offense from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on, on that situation as well. Um, moving to the wide receiver position, I just don't think this offense and Jalen Hurts is going to support a few wide receivers who should be fantasy football starters. I don't know what to do with Jalen Rieger. Um, is he capable of making big plays, um, winning a few fantasy football games, possibly? But Devonta Smith, I think, has the edge. He's got the, you know, he played with him at college. Um, and I think I have Devontae Smith really as a fantasy football starter, wide receiver three. Um, nobody else uh, do I think really should be considered as a starter, possibly a flex player. How do you see the receivers as far as fantasy football for the upcoming season? Well, first off, if I was Howie Roseman, I might take a closer look at what I'm doing at the draft uh, each and every year because he's made some distinct mistakes the last few years. Uh, if we can remember, uh, he passed on Justin Jefferson. Uh, he passed on DK Metcalf. Uh, and he brought Rieger in as a result uh, last year. And the year before that, he brought J.J. Orsega-Whiteside. So there's a lot of question marks around his decision-making. Um, I don't think this is, from a fantasy perspective, uh, necessarily an intriguing group, but Devonta Smith is going to be the headliner here. Uh, certainly the guy who comes in as the Heisman winner uh, from the University of Alabama. I think there'll be a lot of eyes on that player. Rieger, you know, there was a few games last year where I, it did catch my attention, and he definitely had uh, Jalen Hurts' eye. But, you know, I don't know if that can be supported uh, and, and considered uh, a, a consistent pattern when we come to fantasy football. So I'd be worried about the consistent production from any of these guys. I think you'll get sprinkles of games where both of these guys have a couple of big games as a result of the games that the Eagles are playing. Uh, Travis Fulgham and Greg Ward are other guys on this roster. We know I mentioned J.J. Osega-Whiteside, John Hightower, Kez Watkins. They have a lot of young guys here, but I don't know. The, the, the question is, from a talent perspective, uh, is it going to be supportive in a fantasy world? And, and I'm not sure that that's going to be the case. I think there'll be a few games, but it's probably a passing offense that I'm going to let other guys kind of take a chance on as well. Yeah, and the tight end position is very interesting because, uh, you know, I think both both Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz will be better off if they kind of, you know, if the Eagles sever ties with Zach Ertz, and I know they talked about trading him, and they're not getting what they feel they should get for the player. But I feel that, you know, it's going to be Dallas Goddard either way, leading the way. And uh, he's certainly tight end one. He should be drafted as a top 12 tight end and under all formats. If he could stay on the field, I think he could, um, you know, be, be – a terrific tight end and put up good numbers. Zachary, it'll be interesting to see what he has left in the tank, and I'm keeping an eye on where his landing spot is. 
But, uh, you know, I don't think there's too much else to say. Dallas Goddard should be drafted as a tight end one, and you have to take the wait-and-see approach on where Ertz ends up. But I think when you have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, I think you can kind of expect that Dallas Goddard is going to get a lot of targets. So I, at, this, at this point, Wiz, do you think it's a foregone conclusion? Because are you surprised that Ertz hasn't been moved yet? Yeah, I really am. I, but I, but what I'm reading is that you know teams are really lowballing the Eagles, and they're not going to accept that. But I think at the end of the day, if they don't make a deal, they're going to have to do what people a few years ago would have thought would have been absolutely impossible. They're going to probably release him. Um, so we'll have to see the landing spot. But uh, either way, Dallas Goddard figures to be a big part of that Eagles offense. I guess I'd ask you on Goddard, and, I, and I, you know, I look at times he has looked phenomenal when he's been on the field, but there has been some issues with injuries with the player, right? So, um, do you think he carry? Uh, let, let's let, let's assume that uh, Zach Ertz is not a Philadelphia Eagle. Uh, so that immediately, I, I assume, in your, in if you're th- in your thinking, that puts Dallas Goddard as an automatic top ten tight end, correct? Oh, yeah, I think even if he ends up on the roster, I'm still having Goddard uh, as a top 10 position. But certainly uh, without him, he he's probably even higher, probably top eight. Now, do you worry because he's this is a player that's gotten some kind of injury has happened to him you know, every single year that he's been in the NFL? Is that, uh, you know, I, again, football is football, right? It's going to happen. But, you know, consistency of injuries is something that we worry about. Would that be in the back of your mind if you're drafting that player? Yeah, I think, yeah, and, you know, a, a little bit, but in his rookie year, he played 16 games. In 2019, he played 15 games. And last year, he got banged up, and he played 11 games. So a little bit. I, I, my more of a concern is if he could take a punch in a bar. That's my bigger concern. <laughs> yeah, he's got to watch. These guys get sucker punched in bar. I don't know what this guy's doing. But um, but uh, as far as on the field play, he's a, he's a good player. Um, and... I, I'll be drafting him and having some equity on Dallas Goddard this year. Yeah, the one thing, if you look at Goddard, I think that's the one thing is he has had a nose for the end zone. And from a yards per catch perspective, one of the higher guys in, in at the position, at the tight end position of yards per catch. He's a definitely a very gifted offensive player. Um, There's no question about that. Yep. Okay, so kicker and defense here. I, you know, I, there's probably not a kicker that has collapsed more, more than uh, – uh, the kicker of the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's Jake Jake Elliott, Jake Elliott who who yeah. last year had perhaps one. I, I I thought he actually missed time. I had to take a closer look at things, but he had sixty six total points last year as the kicker of the Eagles, and, and missed kicks all over the place. Only attempted nineteen field goals, only attempted twenty six extra points. I mean, the Eagles were a complete disaster. But Jake Elliott's production has gone right down the toilet bowl, Wiz. It really has. I'll, I will not have Jake Elliott nor the Eagles defense um, on any of my teams. I mean, could there be a week where you may want to stream the Eagles defense possibly, but um, I, you know, just drafting them, I'm going to take on pass on Elliott and the Eagles as well. You're going to let Pat Leno draft that Eagles defense, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there are people who have fascinations, whatever, so you could always count on Leno with the Eagles and Connor with the Jets and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I agree with you. No thank you, Eagles defense. All right, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We have one more team in the NFC to complete. 
That is the for the last year we'll be calling them the Washington Football Team because uh, of 2022 it'll be a different uh, story. But Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, uh, Apple Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, subscribe to the podcast. Wiz, talk to you in a little bit. Washington Football Team. You got it.